Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, for all the ways that you um, work in and through our lives and the big details and the small everyday moments. God, you are always at work and you are always good. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would um, speak to our hearts this morning through, or not this morning, but this evening through your word. God, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, good job, guys. We appreciate you and all the work that you guys put into that. So um, as they're getting settled, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. So go ahead and make your way there. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles here. I think in the second row, there's a few physical Bibles. and love for you to grab one of those. Um, as you're finding your spot, I'm always reminded of a, a previous student of mine. I was meeting him for lunch or coffee, and he had been in my youth group from sixth grade all the way up to senior, so I've known him for quite a while, and we're meeting for lunch, and he's telling me about just the ways that the Lord's working in his life, and he was telling me about something that he read in scripture, and he said, it was in the... It was in the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> I was like, what'd you just say? <laughs> he said, yeah, Ecclesiastes. I was like, one, it's impressive that you finagled that word out of Ecclesiastes. I'm impressed. But it was really funny. We had a good laugh about it. I didn't make fun of him. He's fine. But <laughs> I did give him a hard time that he thought Ecclesiastes was pronounced Ecclesiastes. You have to try really hard to say Ecclesiastes. Everyone say Ecclesiastes. It doesn't roll off the tongue, but on the count of three, we're going to say Ecclesiastes. On the count of three, one, two, three, Ecclesiastes. That sounds much better, <laughs> so, but sometimes it is fun just to say Ecclesiastes, because why not? So <laughs> I've ruined this book. It was switched series now, so, um, but if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, Eric has laid the foundation for the book of Ecclesiastes, along with some great insights that we gained from chapter 1. So um, we're going to be in chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 11 tonight. Um, last week, if you remember, we watched an interview from Tom Brady, and I want to kind of revisit that interview. If you remember it, he was, I think he was still in his 20s, very accomplished, no matter what your view on Tom Brady is, very accomplished at his age, and he's asking a really hard question. And he was kind of wrestling with the, I have all these accomplishments. I've reached my dreams. Is this all that there is to life? Is this all that there is? I've done, I've won the rings. I've made it as far as I can. And now I'm wrestling with this reality that I have this gaping hole in my heart. And the reporter was like, what is what else is there? And he's like, I wish I knew. I wish I knew what, what it was. But is this all that there is to life? And maybe you've been there too. Maybe you've actually gotten what you've wished for. Or you've, God's answered a prayer of yours. And you thought this was the thing that was going to bring fulfillment and satisfaction into your life. Only to realize it didn't satisfy me like I thought it would. I've seen the... You've seen the shows maybe where the, the people win the lottery and they realize how they wish they hadn't have won the, the lottery because it actually ruined their life. And all we're thinking is, I just want more money and we keep chasing this dream. 
that I want more money and the finish line for your financial dreams, the finish line for your possession dreams, the finish line always moves. It doesn't just stay. It's not like you cross the finish line and you're like, wow, as a junior in high school, I have, I have arrived. This is all I want in life. And now I'm like content for the rest of my life. Like the finish line always moves. That's the reality of our hearts is our hearts wander in that way is that the things that we want, the things that we think are going to bring fulfillment and satisfaction, they don't satisfy us the way that, they, that we thought they initially would. <clears throat> You've seen stories on the news where people will lay on the sidewalks in probably like harsh weather conditions. They will lay on the sidewalks and camp out for the latest, greatest thing, whether that be a phone, a video game console, or uh, Chick-fil-A, when this Chick-fil-A and Liberty opened, the first, per, first X number of people got free Chick-fil-A for a year or whatever the case is, something generous. You know, and uh, you know, we will put ourselves in extreme conditions because we want something, and we will do it again the next time that newest model comes out. The people that will camp out on the sidewalks, they will do it again two years later for the newest phone. Why? Because that phone didn't satisfy them the way that they thought they would. So with that, we're going to look at chapter 2 in Ecclesiastes. Um, Solomon has some incredible insight that we may think on the surface, this is like just really depressing and why are we reading this? But I think it is great insight into the realities of our hearts when it comes to uh, the reality of pleasure and possession. So verses 1 through 11, it says this, I said to myself, go ahead, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good, but it turned out to be futile. I said about laughter, it is madness, and about pleasure, what does this accomplish? I explored with my mind the pool of wine on my body, my mind still guiding me with wisdom and how to grasp folly until I could see what is good for people to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. Verse 4, I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees. I acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned livestock, large herds and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I gathered male and female singers for myself and many concubines, the delights of men. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me. All that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles. And when I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile in the pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray over us. God, give us understanding of the things that we've read God, would you soften our hearts to the truths that we find in this passage? And God, ultimately, may we find our true satisfaction in you, not in any person, place, or thing on this earth, Lord, but only in you. 
God, we ask this in your name. Amen. So if you're like me, you probably haven't logged much time in Ecclesiastes. I, I don't really like truly love to spend a lot of time in Ecclesiastes. Um, but any time that you have probably put into this book, you probably didn't put the Bible down feeling that you just feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But what we're going to look at tonight and the weeks ahead are going to uncover some incredible realities. And I think Solomon hit the nail on the head here. But to get us started, I'm going to ask kind of a tough question. Week one, Erica asked a tougher question. I think the question was, what is the meaning of life? And figure that out, you know, in 30 seconds. But this question is not as hard, but I do want us to consider it because I think it's an important question and a diagnostic for where your heart's at. And the question is, if I had blank, then I would be truly happy. What is that answer for you? If I had blank, then I would be truly happy. Think about it and consider it, and maybe even discuss it with your neighbor. I'm going to give you just a, a minute. Feel free to discuss it with your neighbor. If you don't feel comfortable sharing, just say chicken nuggets because that's true for every one of us. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> no. Cool. Tough crowd. All right. Cool. All right. If I had blank, then I would be truly happy. Feel free to discuss that with your neighbor. All right. So I say all of that to... Not to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel like, oh, you are so materialistic. All you do is want things and you should be ashamed of yourselves. It's not the rea- that is like the reality of it is that our hearts think, like our hearts are deceived that if I had this one thing, then I would be truly happy. And the reality is you can think back on your life to those moments that you thought, I needed this thing, I needed this person, I needed this model of phone or whatever the device is, I need this thing and it will satisfy me. Only to realize if you were to leave youth group and you got, however you find out the news, if you were to see a new version of iPhone or whatever it is comes out, you are going to be less content than you were 30 seconds prior to knowing. It's the reality of our hearts is that we are looking for something to satisfy us. And we wouldn't wouldn't verbalize it that way. But what is our action showing? The thing that we always, we just want to consume. We want to gain. We want to acquire things. And why is that? Why is it that we pursue pleasure, possessions, thinking wrongly that this is going to fill that gaping hole in my heart? Yeah, yeah. Sin offers us empty promises, like over-promises, under-delivers. Sin does that. And our hearts are prone to wander. So we're going to uncover uh, three points today in our passage. And the first point is that Solomon exposes the emptiness of pleasure. All right, this isn't groundbreaking. We just find this in ourselves. I want you to realize whenever you study scripture, you do not have to have a catchy, cute phrase for it to be worthwhile. It is that we all, we all found this out, that Solomon is exposing the emptiness of of pleasure. He says in verses one through three, I said to myself, go ahead. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good. But it turned out to be what? 
futile. Like Solomon gave himself the green light to indulge, enjoy, testing himself with pleasure. And it turns out we aren't much different than Solomon here. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you actually told yourself no? But we don't really do that. We give ourselves the green light all the time thinking, I deserve this. I worked hard. Why shouldn't I? What's it going to hurt? It's not going to kill anybody. Why not? We think this all the time. Solomon says that this way of living, the pursuit of pleasure, it will come up empty. It does not satisfy. And so you've, you've seen this on a large scale too. You've seen the stories of the celebrity who literally had everything, much like Tom Brady, has everything that you would ever want, fame, glory, status, success, celebrities on any platform, and they would tell you the same thing that Tom Brady wrestled with was, is this all there is to life? Or have I made it? And this is all that there is. So you've seen it on a large scale with celebrities. You've also seen it on a smaller scale, maybe with your friends or in your family. You or your friends have parents that are probably doing well financially, and yet the family still breaks apart. Like, what's that all about? Well, I guess life is more than financial success. Life is more than the American dream. And I think Solomon is punching a hole through the American dream, saying this is not the meaning of life. It is not about the house, the boat, the green yard. That is not what life is about. Point number two, Solomon one exposes the emptiness of pleasure. Point number two, Solomon exposes the emptiness of possessions. Solomon exposes the emptiness of possessions. Kind of look at the verses four through 11. It says, I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for who? Myself. I made gardens and parks for who? Myself. I constructed reservoirs for who? Myself. He acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house, meaning it's mine. It's for me, for myself. He acquired silver and gold for who? Someone's awake over here, but no one else is awake. For who? For himself. He's doing this for himself. He has acquired and gained everything you could possibly want. And you could look at this list and say, I would love a house for myself. I would love to acquire silver and gold for myself. I would love this garden and parks, whatever that looks like in those times. It wasn't a splash pad, it'd be pretty sweet for myself. You know, like he's acquired all of these things for himself. Solomon gorged himself in the things of this world. He gained, acquired, he got people, places, and things, and all of it was for himself and himself only, and it left him feeling empty. It came up short. Solomon says that he had it all and it didn't do the trick. It did not satisfy the hole in his heart. So what do we do? 
Do we just throw our hands up in the air and wait for the day for the Lord to just take us home? Point number three, I just want to point us to Jesus in this. Solomon is talking about, I just gave myself the green light for everything and it did not satisfy. But Jesus, Jesus gives us purpose. He gives us intention and ultimately satisfies. So point number three, Jesus fills our life with purpose and true satisfaction. John 10, 10, Jesus says this, that a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Not an abundance of possessions, not an abundance of pleasure outside of him. Solomon is over here exposing the emptiness of pleasure and possessions, and Jesus is assuring us that he has come to fill us up with purpose, intention, and true satisfaction that is found in a life that is fully surrendered to him. John Piper says, has a famous quote. Um, it says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. What does that mean? That when, whenever our heart is no longer reaching and grasping for any sort of life support outside of him, whenever all we want, all we desire, all our heart longs for is him is when God receives the glory through our life. It's not through attaining the status and popularity in people, places, and things. It's through a life that's truly satisfied in him. Ecclesiastes is in the Bible to convince us not to love the world or to live for its pleasures. And this message isn't to discourage you if you have materialistic tendencies and this is kind of like you're bent and like, I get it, I'm kind of gadgety and I, I like to acquire new things. But there is beauty to be found in the life of simplicity and minimalism of just that I don't need things to satisfy me. I just need Jesus. The pursuit of pleasure and success is not all that there is for this life. And for that, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that this life is not just about what feels good. That would be such a waste to pursue only that which feels good. Now, I want you to hear me on this, though. That there is a God in heaven who has sent his son to be our savior. That that son resisted the pleasures of this life to fulfill the purposes of God for our salvation. And we can have a relationship with God because Jesus lived a life that denied the pursuit of pleasure so that we can be seen as perfect before a holy God. And by faith, you can respond to the truth of Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection in complete surrender. And when you respond to that truth of the gospel, the pleasure that used to drive you or leave you feeling empty, those things actually help you see and experience the goodness of God, which is a peculiar thing that those things that would drive me from God actually help me see the goodness of God. 
Not that that we should pursue those things in order to see the goodness of God, but it is through my sinfulness that I get to experience the fullness of the life that Jesus meant us to live through obedience and faith in him. True pleasure. True pleasure cannot be found outside of God. True pleasure cannot be found outside of God. I found this to be true through my middle school and high school years. I was gripped by a porn addiction. It was through 12 to 17, I was addicted. And I was just searching for pleasure. And it was momentary, and I'd, afterwards I would just feel used up and like garbage. I didn't want any part of that life to surrender to God's reign and rule over my life. I didn't want any part of it because I was addicted to something that would give me momentary pleasure. And I was suffocating in the guilt, allowing myself to not be fully satisfied by God. I would run to this fleeting idea of momentary satisfaction and then afterwards would just be taunted by the enemy saying, I can't believe you would do that. I mean, you know what it's like to be tempted and to say, you can do that. And then the moment that you give in and the enemy just to lie to you and say, you are worthless. I can't believe you would do that. Sin does that. It's that over-promise, under-delivers. It took Holy Spirit conviction. It took God-fearing friends that were willing to tell me the truth in brutal honesty. I mean, you maybe have had those accountability relationships where you meet weekly and then you would just say, yeah, I messed up again. <laughs> Sucks to suck, I guess, you know. And then you just like pat each other on the back, so we'll just do better next week. And then you come back and you say the same stories over again. But I had friends that loved me enough to tell me the hard truth even when I didn't want to hear it. It took Holy Spirit conviction, God-fearing friends, brutal honesty to unravel the chains that held me down for so long. And I know that my story is not much different than maybe many in this room. And it doesn't have to be an addiction for it to be a pursuit of pleasure. The things that you do to manage your reputation and uphold your image to get the most likes or shares or the attention that you want from a certain person to be noticed, whatever the case is, pleasure is fleeting and it will not last outside of God. But purpose, what Jesus has come to fill us with, that purpose is eternal. And it will last, and it will stand the test of time. And it is only found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dismiss to our small groups. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for just the realities that we hear from Solomon that the pursuit of people, places, and things, God, they do not last. But God, thank you for Jesus and that he comes to fulfill us, God, not with things, but with purpose and intention, Lord. God, would you give us 
a clear-sighted view of what it looks like to live every day in light of not pursuing pleasure, but in pursuing you. God, that we would be able to live a life that is not chasing after the wind, but God, that we are living on purpose, with purpose and for purpose. God, we ask that you would just give us clarity in the areas of our life that seem muddy, and that you would do it through these small groups, God, that you would give us the wisdom and insight, Lord, to help one another and spur each other on. God, would you do that for us? We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.